With the biggest construction project in its history underway, Kansas City's laborers are working to make the city a better place to live and work. We'll speak with Lyuna Local 264 Business Manager Reggie Thomas on this edition of The Laborer. Welcome to this edition of The Laborer, a podcast for laborers by laborers. I'm Tim Roseberry. Our guest today is Reggie Thomas, Business Manager of Lyuna Local 264 in Kansas City, Missouri. Welcome, Reggie. Hey, Tim. How you doing? Good. Hey, uh, tell us a little bit about your local and about Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, my local is roughly around uh, 750, 800 members strong. Um, um, <coughs> excuse me, our membership with um, actives and retirees, we make them around 750, 800 members. Um, we have quite a bit of work here in Kansas City. One of the um, Kansas City is unique. You have a lot of projects in Kansas City. Uh, going on right now. One of the major projects we have right now is uh, the airport at the uh, KCI that they're converting into a new airport. And we got a lot of our a lot of our members uh, working on those projects. And right now, currently, we have about, oh, maybe 10 people or 10 to 20 people on the out of work list. So work right now in Kansas City and construction is going very, very well. Well, let's talk about the uh, airport. Now, that's not just something you'll walk up and say, hey, we're going to help you build this airport. I know the negotiations went on for a long time. Tell us a little bit about that process. Uh, the airport is one of the largest uh, projects in Kansas City history. 95% of the project will be union. Uh, and it has an opportunity with a carve-out of 5% for MBE, WBE contractors. We're working with the community to try to get more uh, minorities onto uh, the project <clears throat> to because this, this airport was voted overwhelmingly passed by 73% by, the, by uh, Kansas City. They wanted a new airport. But one of the issues was they wanted more minority contractors and minority uh, participation as far as workers on the project. So Build and Trade worked with, with City Council and, and CWC team, which is Clark White's Clark, to make this thing, uh, make this airport possible. And this will be one of the largest projects, if not the largest projects, in Kansas City. And by creating this this state-of-the-art airport, it's also going to create new um, construction development around the airport. And this is this project's probably going to last close to three to three to four to four to five years is about total. So we're talking about putting a lot of laborers to work over the next five years. Oh yeah, but it, <laughs> there's there the estimate they're talking about because this project is combined with heavy and building uh, contractors. So therefore, you have uh, heavy laborers on the job and also building contractors on the job, which I'm solely building, uh, but dealing with runways and roads and, and curves and sidewalks and structure of the building. That's why you have a combination of both. Uh, so you're going to have I can't tell you exact number of how many manpower as far as laborers on the job but it's going to take a lot of our manpower to uh, build this airport. You have the distinction of having three separate Myuna locals in the area. Tell us a little bit about how that works. Well, you really would have two, but as far as the workers, you would have guys from 1290, which is a Kansas local. You would have uh, members from 264, which is my local. You have members from 663, which is a heavy local here on the Missouri side. So you would have a combination of of workers from all locals, um, all three locals working at the airport. <clears throat> and 
one of the major things that the airport was really pushing for, like I stated earlier, is getting community involvement, getting more minorities involved in getting them on this project. It's giving these individuals an opportunity to get into some of these trades. They created a pre-apprenticeship program that's a three-year, that's a three-week apprenticeship pre-apprentice program where they're paying those guys roughly $400 a week to attend this pre-apprenticeship program that lasts three weeks. And after they complete the pre-apprenticeship program, then they go into the trade of their choice of whatever trade they want to get into through that apprenticeship program. So, so far it's working and I couldn't tell you the actual how many people, how many individuals are on the project that went through that program. But it's a process that they're working with right now, and it's, it seemed to be moving pretty well. Reggie, your local is in the heart of the city. How diverse is the membership? My membership is made up of probably, oh, it's a good question, probably 60-40, um, uh, 60 Caucasian, 40% minority, <clears throat> including the women in that minority status, of course. Um so the uh, the opportunity and we're we're one of the locals that is well diverse not just by membership but by leadership as well i am a um, african-american business manager of the labors we have uh, our executive board is is very diverse um we are we are very well represented uh in the community with our leadership a lot of other locals are not designed like that um but it, 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 you have to show uh, diversity when you're dealing with city council, when you're dealing with community, because those are the things that they see. And it, a lot of other, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of their traits aren't diverse as the Labor's 264. That's got to mean a lot to your members to have that kind of political influence within decision making in your city. It helps. It really does help because I always say if you're going to, it, it, it makes more sense when um, you're speaking to someone that looks like you, that talk like you, that look like you. It, 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 that transition of communication um, helps out when, when you can relate to someone. And I hate to say that, but it, it but it's true. Um, and that's, that's why we have such a hard time with, with building trade because you know, a lot of the other trades aren't very diverse, like 264. And, and having a black mayor and, and some black city council people or or women uh, on city council, it helps when you go in and you're they see who you are and they know who you are and who you represent. And they take a look at your membership and your membership's diverse. Your executive board's diverse. That is the, 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 the dynamic with 264 over a lot of the other trades. How does that relate to Lyuna overall? Do you think there's a trend in uh, larger cities to become more conc- uh, more inclusive? You know, I can't speak for all of. I, I know there's other uh, other locals throughout our international that are very diverse, uh, especially on the East Coast. Um, but it helps when uh, you have minorities or people of color in some form of leadership role. I mean, it, to, to me, it, 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 it sends a message, okay? Um, by being appointed as a special international rep, I think that shows volume, especially when you're dealing with certain issues uh, in your community. 
and they see that uh, you know you're 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 a person of color, uh, you're an African American, and you're working both sides. So to me, it says volume, and I believe the international in certain areas uh, within our organization are, are doing that. Reggie, with the success that you've had within Kansas City and the community, putting that next to all the upheaval that's going on in society right now, uh, from pandemic to Black Lives Matter to the future, what what is your take on that? How do you marry those together? Tim, that's a real good question. I think with the first of the, the pandemic with the coronavirus, you know, we made sure our members were were, were safe. We worked with contractors to make sure they, they had all the PPP, that they were making sure the Johnnies were clean. They had hand-washing stations. Um, we stayed in contact um, with our members. <clears throat> we did robocalls about union meetings. To You know, we, we, we were following city guidelines not to congregate having large uh, meetings because of the, the spread of the virus. We also mailed masks out to our members, our membership, total membership, um, <clears throat> to make sure they were safe. Uh, we sent them literature that we were getting from uh, health and safety, uh, just everything possible that we could do to try to help our members to educate them about uh, the coronavirus. Also, we were, again, dealing with the inner city, with the community where they were doing free uh, corona testing, and we, w- we would send that out to our membership by way of um, Facebook or, or our website. So we were trying to do everything possible <clears throat> to make sure our members were in tune with what was going on with the coronavirus. To your next question, um, with all of the um, Black Lives Matter and the uh, uh, racial tension and injustice of uh, police brutality of things that are going on in this world today. Uh, it's really, it's really, it's really mind-boggling to see that we are still dealing with racial elements in 2020. I think what needs to happen, uh, we need to uh, organize, we need to strategize, and we need to mobilize. And in doing that, this is the time that organized labor and the community should be working hand in hand. Let's get a lot of our people, a lot of the community, let's get people registered to vote. And in come November, let's make a change. Let's get a lot of these individuals, the president and his cabinet, out of office. Because if you want to make policy changes, you have to start with, you have to start at the top. And don't just get in, involved in the, gov- in, in, in the president election. Get involved with your local election. Get involved with your state election. Get involved with your city council election, your school boards. If you want to make changes, these are the things you need to do. And I think by doing that, you can make some policy changes that will have a different outcome of what we're dealing with today that will benefit everyone. So I just think it's a stronghold where organized labor and Black Lives Matter should should work hand in hand together, which they are in certain some areas. And I think by having more involvement with unions and the community, you can make changes. You, you, because when you look at organized labor and you look at the community, what lives in the community is working class people. Organized labor is about the working class. So we should be working hand in hand. And that's why it's so important to me, working in the community, because if you have a community base, you can make a lot of changes. Same thing with right to work. Right to work here in Kansas City and Missouri when we defeated right to work. Uh, it was a lot of work dealing with the African-American community because they felt they were shunned out 
in building trade because they weren't getting a lot of jobs. Well, it took a lot of convincing and working with some of the groups like um, Freedom, which is a powerful tool in the inner city that does a lot of political involvement and activity. But working with them to, to get them on our side with right to work was very large. Now, would we have defeated right to work without the black community? I think we would have, but I don't think the numbers would have been as great as they were. But in saying that, I just think organized labor and the community working together, and this is the perfect time with this movement where we can be solidarity working with the community so we can make changes on a larger scale. Reggie, thank you for uh, helping to make opportunities for all our members out there. And thank you for being our guest on this edition of The Labor. Well, I sure thank you for the invite. And thank you for listening to this edition of The Labor. I'm Tim Roseberry.